Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Joseph could not escape. He was trapped, sold into slavery by his very own brothers, brought to the foreign country of Egypt, purchased with money by a guy named Potiphar, a high-ranking official in the Egyptian government. And Potiphar brought Joseph home to his own house to work there as a slave. The favorite son of Jacob, now gone, alone, seemingly all by himself in this foreign land. What would you do if you were Joseph? What would you do if you were in that situation? Honestly, if it were me, I'd probably be crying myself to sleep every night. And I don't even think I'm joking about that. This is a serious situation that Joseph is now in. Over the last two weeks, Pastor Kevin has been bringing you God's Word from the book of Genesis. I've gone for the last three weeks without preaching. That's the longest I've gone in a lot of years. So I have a lot to say today, so just sit back, relax. We're going to be here a while, all right? All right, well, I'll try to keep it, keep it under control. But he's been doing an awesome job. And in each of those sermons over the last two weeks, though, for a variety of different reasons, he's asked the question, where is God in the midst of this story? And really, we've been forced to ask that question because there's been some really weird stories in the last couple chapters of Genesis. And and even when you're reading it through in the scriptures, if you look, God's name is hardly ever mentioned in these last few chapters we've been in. But today, as we turn the page into Genesis chapter 39, we don't need to ask the question, where is God? Because Genesis 39 is very clear that God is with Joseph. Let me reread for you the first two verses of Genesis 39. It says this, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian himself, he had bought Joseph who, from the Ishmaelites who brought him down. Verse 2 says, The Lord, in all capital letters, the Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitalized, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. It seems from worldly, earthly terms that Joseph is all on his own, abandoned, betrayed, sold. And yet the reality is the Lord is with him. I need to make a point here, and those of you who have been in this church for a while, I've, I've taught this numerous times, but it bears repeating because we're so quick to forget, and a lot of you haven't heard this. If you open up your Bibles here to Genesis 39, verse 2, you will see that the Lord is in all capital letters, L-O-R-D, in all capital letters. As an English reader, that is to signify to you something that's happening in the original Hebrew language. 
In the original Hebrew language, when Lord is written in all capital letters, that's to signify that the proper name of God is there in the Hebrew language. And most scholars agree that we would pronounce that name something like Yahweh. Maybe you've heard that before, Yahweh. But the reason it's in all capital letters is based on Jewish tradition, because the Jews did not speak that name, that proper name of God. Instead, in speaking, they would just skip over it, and in writing, they would replace it with the word Adonai, or Lord in all capital letters. So I tell you this because it's highly significant, because we're not just talking about any old God, we're talking about Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the Creator God, the God who creates and preserves and protects and gives promises and keeps them. That God is fully with Joseph in his slavery and in captivity. And it's highly significant because as the story plays out, Potiphar himself recognizes that that Yahweh, it says, he recognizes Yahweh, the God of Israel, is blessing him. And because Joseph is being so blessed by his God, Potiphar continues to give him more and more authority in his house and more responsibility. Blessings. We like the idea of blessings, of being blessed. Because we imagine that being blessed means that things are going well for us. I had a number of conversations, even this morning, people just saying things like, this church is so blessed right now. (laughs) Things are such a blessing right now. And in every single situation, do you know how they were speaking? They were speaking about positive things, right? Because we think when things are positive, according to earthly standards, that we must be being blessed. But when things are crummy, that's when we're quick to call out, where are you, God? I don't feel like you're blessing me. I feel like you're cursing me. Instead of saying, wow, I'm really blessed, even today, even in this moment, regardless of what comes my way. See, a lot of us tend to equate blessings with prosperity and positivity. And it seems, as we're reading the beginning of this story in Genesis 39, that Joseph is actually being blessed as we commonly understand it, in earthly types of terms. It says specifically he's a successful man. Even though he's been abandoned, sold into slavery, and left on his own, it seems like God's working things out in his favor. But we got to see what continues to happen in Genesis 39. So here's here's what plays out. We didn't read this today. Maybe you read it on your own. But in Genesis 39, Joseph is working for Potiphar. And the scriptures actually attest to the fact that he was a handsome man. A handsome man, and he's working in the house, and Potiphar is married. He's got a wife. And as he's working in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife, I don't know the nicest way to say this, she tries to, we'll say, she tries to have an affair with him. She tries to have an affair with him, and Joseph gives a firm no. 
Confirm no. The next day, Potiphar's wife comes again. Joseph, come, be with me. Joseph says, no, 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 no. Day after day after day, Potiphar's wife comes back at him again and again and again, and Joseph says, no, no, no. But one day, as he is within the vicinity of her, within arm's reach, she grabs his garment, his clothes, and one more time, she tries to have an affair with him, and Joseph says, no, and he runs away, but leaves his garment behind. And as he's running away, she is so quick to hold it up and say, look what that man tried to do to me. He tried to have the affair with me. And through her fabrication, word gets to Potiphar himself. And you can imagine how Potiphar must feel irate that his beloved and trusted servant is now his betrayer. So Potiphar takes Joseph and he throws him in the king's prison. And it seems like things are unraveling for Joseph and he is further and further alone by himself. And yet the scriptures attest to the fact that the Lord was still with him. Now a lot is going to happen to Joseph while he is imprisoned. A big section of this story, even chapter 40, which is part of today's reading, but we're going to leave the imprisonment story for next week, and we're going to pick it up there. Today, we're going to pause the story here, because I really want to reiterate the fact that intentionally in Genesis 39, multiple times, the point is made that the Lord is with Joseph. God is with Joseph. It is said time and time again in Genesis 39. And so today, I want to be so bold right off the bat and not mince words with you to remind you that God is with you. Plain and simple, God is with you. The Lord, the Creator, the Preserver, the Protector, the Promise Keeper, that one is with you, the same God who is with Joseph in prison is with you even now. And how do I know that? Because that God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. His name is Jesus. And Jesus said before ascending into heaven, I am with you always to the end of the age. I send my spirit to be with you, that you know I am with you always. God is with you. But you ever ask the question, why is he with me? Why is God with me? I think often we ask the question, how is God with me? And we get into the practicalities like, well, God, where are you? I feel like you're, you're not with me. But I tell you, God is with you. And so have you ever asked, well, why would he be with me? I tell you, he's with you. He's with you to do what he always does when he's with people. He's with you to bless you. 
God is with you to bless you. This is what God always does. It goes back to that promise that God made to Joseph's great-grandpa. You remember his great-grandpa? We're that close in the family lineage. Who's his great-grandpa? Abraham. And what did God say to Abraham back in Genesis 12? He said, Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing, so that through you all nations of the earth will be blessed. This is what God does when he's with people. He is with them to bless them. We're seeing it happen with Joseph, and we're seeing it happen with you. God is with you, and he's with you for the purpose to bless you. To bless you. It's what he does. But let's get this straight. Blessings blessings are not equal to monetary riches. Blessings are not equal to prosperity and popularity. Just because you are blessed by God does not mean that you have immunity to viruses or diseases or any kind of illnesses or injuries. Just because you are blessed by God does not mean that everyone is going to love you and esteem you well. Just because you're blessed by God does not mean that you are promised immortality in this life. But because you're blessed by God, it does mean that God is with you always. And when God is with you, he comes with the full weight of his grace for you to hold your hand when you are weak, to hug you when you are suffering, to lay by your side as you are dying. This God is the one who is with you. This is the God who brings the full weight of the forgiveness of your sins to you. This God died for you so that you can be set free and forgiven and loved always and that you may have life now and life to the full. This is what God does when he is with you and that is the blessing that comes to you is the full weight of his love and forgiveness by his being present with you in Jesus Christ. Jesus is with you always, but not just for you. He's with you to bless you, but for the purpose that you also will be a blessing to others. So maybe you ask the question, how can I be a blessing? How can I be a blessing to other people? I will tell you, blessing other people does not have to be something big. As a matter of fact, the blessings we give to people are most often in the small and the mundane things that when touched by God's hand have an incredible blessing. Take, for example, the story in our gospel lesson today. We read the feeding of the 5,000, which is this, yeah, a miraculous story of blessings in abundance. But it didn't start that way. Here's what happened. Uh, Jesus was teaching. People were following him. 
And on this day, over 5,000 people were with him. Yes, it was an outside gathering, but it was still pre-COVID. I'm not sure that they were distanced. They were, they were all there together, over 5,000 people. And it's getting late into the evening. They're in a rural area, and the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we got to send these people away. I think Jesus' disciples were themselves, I, I think this is the word, I think they were hangry, hangry, right? They, they've been sitting out in the sun all day. They want to send the people off to get food. And Jesus says, we don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples look at Jesus and they're like, what, what? How are we? They say, Jesus, all we've got is five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, bring it to me. You know what the scripture says when they bring it to him? He takes it and he offers a blessing upon that little bit of bread and fish. And when Jesus touches that small, mundane little bit, what happens? Blessings abound. Where Jesus is present and we bring to him what we have and ask him to bless it, guess what he does? He blesses it. So I ask you today, what do you have? What do you have? You've probably all got likely more possessions than you know what to do with. So what are you doing with those things? Have you ever brought any of your possessions to Jesus and said, hey Jesus, will you bless this? Will you bless this? Hey, Jesus, will you bless this fishing pole? <laughs> now, fishermen, don't, don't get the wrong idea here. I'm not asking you to ask Jesus to give you a miraculous catch of fish. I'm asking you to ask Jesus to change your perspective about when you're holding that pole or doing anything with it. I think if you ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, will you bless this thing and, and bless me when I'm thinking about this thing? so that I can be a blessing to other people? If you ask, Jesus will change your perspective so much so that when you go to that bait and tackle store, you're not just thinking about catching the biggest fish, but your eyes are attentive to that sales associate who is ready and open to a conversation. And over time, you've got the capacity and the opportunity to speak about the faith and hope and love that we have in Jesus Christ. Have you asked Jesus to bless your smartphone or your tablet? Yeah, instead of just opening that thing and needlessly and endlessly scrolling through salacious materials and slanderous posts and quickly reposting out of frustration and anger, have you instead asked God to bless this thing? So that when you hold it, you're not thinking about just yourself, but how can I be a blessing to others through this means? Some of you may not know this, but that thing called a phone has the capacity to actually ring the line of somebody else. It's got a little, usually a little green circle that you, that you push and you dial a number. And, and so maybe what I could invite you to do or you could ask God that, for the direction to do is to pick up that phone and... Call a friend you haven't talked to in a long time or 
Call a grandparent that you haven't seen in a long time and just check in and see how they're doing. Have you asked God to bless your eyes? I'm not just talking to those of you with cataracts or glaucoma or detached retinas. I'm talking to all of us. Have you asked God to bless your eyes so that you see this world in the way that He sees it? And with eyes that are blessed by God, you can see through the fear. And you can see above and beyond the political persuasions and divisions and anger and angst and anxiety and depression. And you, you see with the eyes of Jesus that hope and peace and life can be given in abundance and are available at the cross of Jesus, would you ask Jesus to bless your eyes so that you see people as he sees them? Beloved, forgiven, children of God, everyone, would you ask God to bless your eyes so that in every situation you would see his activity in this world and you would simply be aware and responsive to his invitation to join him in his work. God is with you. And not just for you, he's, he, he's with you to bless you so that you could be a blessing so that the Great Commission can be fulfilled and all nations in this earth can hear of the life-giving salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you ask Jesus to bless your entire life so that you can be a blessing? Let's close in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessings that you've given to us that are too numerous to count. Thank you, Father, for your unending presence in our lives. Heavenly Father, make us a blessed people so that through us all peoples of the earth will be blessed by your presence, Jesus, and that they will receive that life-giving salvation available to all through your death and resurrection. Father, bless us so that we can be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.